you've probably talked about this before. It's, it's the difference between simple and easy. A lot of things in real estate are simple to learn and understand, but to actually execute them, it's anything but easy. As a loyal best ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. We're going to be talking about Situation Saturday. It's a special segment, Situation Saturday. We're going to be talking about, though, a challenging situation. In particular, our best ever guest's third apartment deal is a 30 unit that just did not go as planned so that when you come across a deal that doesn't go as planned, you can listen to this episode or think back to this episode and hear what has happened to someone else and how they approached it and how to do or not do what they did. So with us, they talk to us about the 30 unit. How you doing? Ivan Barrett. Hey, Joe. I am doing well, man. And I hope you are too. It's great to be back on the show. I am grateful that you're back. I enjoyed our first conversation so much. I was like, wait, there's more to it. I'd love to learn more. So a little bit about Ivan as a refresher. He's a multifamily owner, manager, and syndicator who specializes in agency and FHA finance projects, has raised over $24 million in equity and acquired over 1,800 units since 2004. His company manages well over $100 million in assets comprising of 2,200 units based in Indianapolis, Indiana. So with that being said, Ivan, will you give a refresher just about your background and then we'll dive into the story? Sure. So I'm a pretty lucky guy. My dad is an attorney and growing up, he had a bunch of rental properties. So I got a taste for the real estate bug early. Even went to school for it, learned all about finance and investing in real estate, got out, got my foot in the door working for a real estate developer here in Indianapolis, Indiana by saying, basically, I'll work for free. Pay me if I sell something, but otherwise working for free. I just want to learn. Eight years later, at the bottom of the Great Recession, decided to start my own company, started a property management company in my spare bedroom. And I was a one-man show for a while until I continued onward, scaling, hiring, firing people. Today, we're actually close to $150 million in assets under management. We've acquired some more properties and also still manage apartments for other folks along the way. And that's where we're at today. All right. Well, thank you for that refresher. There's lots of stuff we dove into on the previous episode. So best ever listeners, just search Ivan's name and my name in Google and you'll come across that episode. So let's talk about your challenging situation. Tell us about this 30 unit that you did. 
we could go on for a couple of days about all the mistakes I've made, but I, I thought one that would be really relevant to your audience would be my third apartment acquisition. I bought several smaller deals, then I bought a six unit and then a 35 unit. And when I was feeling real high on myself and real confident, I bought a 30 unit redevelopment deal here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and basically almost crushed me, almost killed me, almost ruined me. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and I made a bunch of mistakes. So happy to start wherever you like. But right out of the gate, Joe, I paid too much for it. Okay. Tell us maybe how'd you find it? And when you say redevelopment, will you elaborate on what that means? Yeah. This deal was actually on LoopNet. It had been on there for a couple years. And I had this suspicion that this area that it was in was going to turn around. It was in the path of redevelopment. So I went in and made a much lower offer than the seller had on LoopNet for it and actually was able to strike a deal, 30 units for about, by the time I closed, about 600000 bucks. What was on LoopNet for? Oh, gosh. I think it, I think it had been listed on LoopNet for $1.1 million for a couple of years. And it, it was in an area that, that I could tell was going to redevelop. But at the time, it was a very, very distressed project. And I thought that I was ready for a bigger renovation deal and that I could handle it with the team I had in place, which ended up not seeing the case. Initially, if it's on LoopNet, $1.1 million, and then you're able to get it for 600000 I imagine initially you're celebrating. Oh, yeah. I thought I had a deal on my hands big time. How much did you think you needed to put into it per unit in order to get it to where you wanted it? My biggest mistake was thinking that I could put some more lipstick on it and I could basically committed one of the mortal sins of real estate. I walked away from the closing table with about 100000 in proceeds to help me do some renovations and I thought I could do the rest out of cash flow. Ah, uh, okay. How much did you plan on doing out of cash flow? Oh, I figured I only needed a couple hundred grand to make it better. In addition to the hundred that you had allocated? Yeah, I figured over the first couple of years, I would continue to recycle all the positive cash flow, all my profits back into the deal to continue to improve it and make it better. Okay. Why is that a mistake? <laughs> well, in this particular instance, the property was in such bad shape and the tenants were so awful that it was hard to collect rents. It was a constant amount of phone calls. So once I took over as a new management company, the phones start ringing off the hook with folks that think that you're there to fix everything right yep. away. Yeah. So because I've been pretty loose on my due diligence and just thinking, well, I'm getting this property for such a great deal, I'll figure it out. Sort of that cowboy mentality of buying real estate really hurt. So every time you peel back the onion, there was another layer of problems. The HVAC was all in bad shape. There heaters that were just on their last leg, water heaters leaking like sieves, bad plumbing all around. But the, the worst part was the resident class there was so awful. Even if I had had six renovated units, I wouldn't have even been able to attract uh, quality residents. So the average rents when I bought the place were in the 500 range. And just trying to get residents in there, I ended up having to drop rents just to try to get cash flow going. And it just kept getting worse and worse. My partner and I ended up taking on, putting in more capital. I took out some business lines of credit just to put more cash into the deal. And it kept getting worse and the debt just kept stacking up. 
we kept going down the, what I think you and I would maybe call the maintenance and repair death spiral. Absolutely. If you were to close, God forbid, this property again, but different name, but all the same fundamentals, and you bought it for 600000 I'll even throw this other variable in there. You didn't learn your lesson from the first one in that you still only have 100000 in CapEx. Would you, A, do what you did on the first one where you dropped rents to get cash flow going? Or B, would you just rip off the Band-Aid and evict who needs to be evicted, fix it up, and then build up from there? Or would you do C, which is something I didn't mention? I don't know if this fully answers your question, but the problem that we had there with these low rents is that when we would throw people out, it was also very tough to get quality tenants at that rent rate. I mean, that's, that's pretty low rents, right? So you would throw people out and then say one out of three would end up being bad residents again, which would cause even more problems, right? You'd be farther into that issue. I think what I would tell you, if I had a time machine, I would have done my homework a little bit deeper. I would have gone back to the seller and said, listen, I'm going to need X price for the property. What would that price be? Would have been probably closer to 400000 Okay. And say, hey, I'm walking otherwise. And I also would have done the financing completely different, which is what ended up saving me late in 2016. We were able to refinance the property. I'll t- I can tell you how in a moment, but I would have gone in with my private or hard money lender, as some people might call them. I would have gone in with him out of the gate with much more capital set aside for the improvements. I would have thrown everybody out on day one, literally vacated the property and started over the right way. That's how I would rip that bandaid off. And that's actually what we ended up doing in late 2016 to turn this thing around. The only thing that really saved me, Joe, was the fact that I did end up buying in that good location. It took longer for the area to redevelop, which is almost like being wrong, being early. Right. But the area did finally catch up. And my private lenders, we put together a new business plan for how we would essentially throw everyone out and start over and do new kitchens, new windows, new parking lots, new HVAC, new surfaces, all the things that we really should have done out of the gate. And, and we were able to convince our private lender to do that. So we were able to take out that old legacy debt, throw everyone out. Fast forward now, I've got a much better team to execute the project. And we were able to turn it around and get it refinanced with Freddie a few months ago. Oh, wow. A few months ago as of this interview? As of this interview, yeah. So in early 16, we got our approval from our private lender to do basically a redevelopment loan. So we retired the bank debt that was on it. And we had, gosh, almost 400000 in reserve for renovations and for some interest expense on the debt while we threw everybody out. So over the course of 17, we got it renovated, got it released, and got 90 days of trailing financials. So basically by early 18, I refinanced this property with Freddie on a valuation of $2.1 million. Are you going to make any money on this? Yeah, we've actually got a bunch of our capital out. We've still got some hard equity in the deal. And as of recently, we're in PSA negotiations with a buyer to buy us out at a similar valuation and assume the Freddie debt in place. That's outstanding. Congratulations on that. You mentioned the team that you 
had initially didn't work out. Can you elaborate? Yes, I absolutely can. So I had a very inexperienced contractor <laughs> that thought he knew what he was doing because we had renovated some smaller assets together and he was renovating other single family homes. And I had trusted him too much to be able to execute and his pricing was correct. I didn't have the management team I have now. I didn't have the maintenance and construction oversight that I have now. At BAM, we've got a director of maintenance and construction. I've got a director of property management, an internal accounting team, and then my partner who runs a lot of the day-to-day operations on the management side now. In short, Joe, I've worked really hard to be the dumbest guy in the room when it comes to my executive team because of past challenging situations such as the one we're talking about. How hard do you have to work to be the dumbest person in the room? Real hard. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) It's easy for me. (laughs) I just enter the room and automatically I'm the dumbest person in the room. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I I, I thought there might be a little bit of humility in there. um, (laughs) Finding people that can execute in their lane and that don't need a lot of hand-holding and a lot of oversight used to make real estate seem easy. Now we're having a lot more fun. We're really focused on our management culture. We've got a great staff at the top running their various disciplines within the organization. And they all report to my partner, who's the CEO, who runs day-to-day decision-making. And being the entrepreneur visionary kind of guy I am, getting out of the way of the people who can mind the details far better than me has been a, a game changer for the organization. I hear you. Absolutely. Everyone benefits as a result of that. After hearing you talk about this deal and talking to you about the deal, it sounds like the lessons are, one, proper due diligence, and that goes with the residents as well as the CapEx, mechanicals, that sort of stuff on the property. Two, is being properly capitalized to execute the vision. And then three, selecting the right team. First off, is that accurate? And secondly, if so, is there anything else that comes to mind? Yes. I would tie off that list with discipline as the deal sponsor. I was too impatient. I was too eager to get another big deal. Today, we might be doing two and 300 unit acquisitions, but at the time, it was a big deal. And I was really eager to get my next project going. I had investors on the sideline wanting to invest. I had a little bit of a track record. And I let my own ego and my arrogance get in the way and cloud my judgment. With the due diligence items and being properly capitalized, what's different now about your company? And ideally, if you can get into some specifics on what you do now, that would be helpful. Absolutely. The collective brain power, first and foremost, is much larger now. With that director executive team I mentioned before, There's decades of apartment industry experience. Now we look at probably 200 or so projects before we choose one. So there's a lot more discipline there. And we can walk away from just about any deal at any time if we need to. Cultivating that culture that, hey, we're in this for the long haul. We want to do, say, six deals a year right now. Last year, we did three. This year we may only do another three. And that's okay. We no longer need to do a deal or refinance a project or sell something to make payroll. The management company is self-sustaining now. When you were 
pumping money into the bottomless pit, as it seemed, I imagine, at the time. Were you in a tough spot financially, just as a business and personally? It didn't feel great. Not necessarily a real tough spot yet. I had a good partner. We both put some more capital into the deal. I was perfectly fine taking out a business line of credit in my name attached to the property to show that I was not interested in losing this project or letting it go. But it resulted in a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of stress. Absolutely. How do you psychologically get through that? Well, that's a great question. Working out definitely helps. Gosh, where do you start? I think first and foremost, like faith in yourself and in God or the universe or however you want to language it. For me, faith in God that I'm being taught this for a reason. Sometimes I would say to myself over and over again, almost like a mantra, I'm learning on 30 so that I don't make this mistake on 300. And I am so thankful that I paid tuition on 30 units, not on a really big deal with a lot of capital at stake. With that comment, what would your advice be to someone who wants to go from singles to 50 units or 100 units? In today's market, I think it's going to be pretty difficult, but I think if you have the discipline and the perspiration, it's not impossible at all. I think you've probably talked about this before. It's, it's the difference between simple and easy. A lot of things in real estate are simple to learn and understand, but to actually execute them, it's anything but easy. If you're willing to look at 200 projects before you buy one 50-unit deal, you're going to have a much better visceral understanding of what a good deal looks like than if you were like me and you were just eager to go out and get your hands on something. I think knowing a lot of property managers is a good idea. At least having one or two that you really trust that you can get a couple of different angles of opinion on a project. That's probably the first two things that come to mind. As you know, in this market, it's really, really difficult to find an actual good deal. Yes, that is true. And the team is very important. That's for sure. First off, congratulations on seeing it through almost full cycle, but certainly having it in a good spot now, regardless of if the buyer closes on the transaction, you still got it in a really good spot. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you to learn more about what you're doing? I'm pretty easy to find. Ivan Barrett, not a very common name, B-A-R-R-A-T-T. BarrettAssetManagement.com is a great place. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Ivan.Barrett. Try to make myself easy to find. Awesome. Well, Ivan, thank you for being on the show and talking about the 30 unit, the lessons learned from it, one due diligence on both the property mechanicals as well as the residences or the tenants. Two is having it properly capitalized. Three is having the right team. And four is the discipline that it takes in order to stay on the sidelines until you have the right opportunity versus forcing your hand and being a motivated buyer, which is usually not a good thing. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon.
My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Joe. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. Looking to build a predictable and duplicatable real estate investing business? Do over 100 flips a year whether it's flipping or wholesaling, experience a difference with the ultimate real estate investing course now and also get a free strategy session with Dylan. He's been a guest in the podcast before. You can use the code JOE20 for 20% off. Everything you need to know in one course, go to www.theultimaterealestateinvestingcourse.com.